0: Because in Glacier, there are 62 species of ferns and their allies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's good.
0: And it was like, wow. I feel like this should be like a Civil War documentary or something like that.
1: (laughs) The ferns and their allies. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) This is the Exploring the National Parks podcast with Dirt in My Shoes. My name is Ash, and I'm a former park ranger and the founder of Dirt in My Shoes. I think that the parks are best seen from the trail, and I'm here to make national park trip planning easy.
0: And I'm John. I carry the kids on the trails, I tell stories, and notice all the things that Ash doesn't care about much, like rocks.
1: Join us as we show you around America's spectacular national parks.
0: We're sharing our favorite places, fun facts, adventures, and misadventures.
1: And we'll even throw in a little trip planning.
0: Let's start exploring. I'm so excited for today's fun facts episode about Glacier. It is going to be
1: rockin'. Better be good. (laughs)
0: To do justice to this park, I've got a high bar to set here, but I'm pretty excited to get into this because Glacier is just, it's one of the best places to just get outside and play and have an adventure. And so learning about a little bit deeper about why it's such a cool place is sometimes not even necessary because you're just like, this place is so great anyways. Why do I need to learn about geology? But we're going to, and it's going to rock and it will make you appreciate the park even more.
1: I think so, because Glacier is literally named after glaciers. And so (laughs) I I feel like there's just a lot there to unpack besides just all the best hiking trails and wildlife sightings and huckleberry foods and all that. You know, it's like, well, the name itself is Glacier. So we should probably learn
0: a little bit about glaciers yeah. or a little bit about just what, what makes this place so unique.
1: Glaciers plus everything else. So yeah. yeah, I'm excited. Let's jump in.
0: Okay. So fun fact number one is that Glacier was formed by something called the Lewis Overthrust. Have you ever heard of that before?
1: <laughs> I've not. <laughs> it sounds like a dead poet or something. <laughs> <laughs> or
0: it sounds like a on cool Over. runnings, you know, what John Candy overthrust. taught the guys. <laughs> this is how you get a bobsled down the ice. You know, <laughs> the Lewis overthrust. Ice Feel the rhythm. Dry. Feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's bobsled time. <laughs> glacier. No, okay, so the Lewis overthrust is a very specific geologic feature of uh the of this area that actually makes glacier like a mecca for a lot of geologists and scientists that want to study a very specific thing. And so let me kind of set the stage a little bit and kind of help you understand why it's so cool. So the Lewis Overthrust is a thrust fault. If you don't know what a fault is, it's, what, what's a fault, Ash, according to what?
1: It's the space between the tectonic plates.
0: Right. So it's like a break. Yeah, right? a break
1: in the tectonic plates. So that's a lot of earthquakes happen along faults when the plates move around.
0: Exactly. What a thrust fault is, is it's a section of the earth crust. It, it breaks and then it like pushes part of the part that broke up and over. Have you ever seen like a, these show up in like my YouTube shorts or like my Facebook reels or whatever, my, the stories, the videos that I watch on social media every once in a while where like in the middle of a hot, hot summer, have you ever seen those videos where like the freeway buckles uh
1: huh, yeah.
0: and then you've got like these cars that don't know that it's buckled in front of them and then the cars just like go off a jump?
1: Well, that's terrifying, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Reminds
0: me of like that scene in Napoleon Dynamite where he's taking his bike over the jump. And
1: <laughs> like high centers. The,
0: like the, the board breaks. The, yeah. like,
1: oh, oh, oh.
0: <laughs> so we're going to talk a little about the road for a second. So in the hot, hot summer, when the road buckles... It's because the road like is expanding and the road is expanding to the point where the inner pieces of the road don't have anywhere to go. And so there's pressure just building up and building up and building up. Like the road is trying to expand horizontally and there's nowhere for it to go until finally the road just buckles. and You kind of have like this buckled piece, almost like a V shape that kind of goes up and then that relieves the pressure of the expansion that the road is trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. So this overthrust, it's not related to heat, but what it is related to is that horizontal pressure. And so a long, long millennia, eons ago, you know, there was all this pressure on the continental plate that was causing all this horizontal pressure. And so like here along the Rocky Mountains, where we call the Rocky Mountains now, you had this massive amount of pressure that was building and building and building to the point of breakage and so you had this huge shift the this major uplift of this buckling action that happened you know a long 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 time ago but what happened is instead of just like buckling and then the pressure's done what happened was it buckled upwards and then the pressure kept pushing and pushing and pushing to the point where it forced that broken piece up and over the regular piece of road And then it filled in the gap. So basically what it looks like now, it's like, okay, the road broke and then it filled in the gap. And then like, you just have this random piece of road just sitting on another piece of road. Okay. And so that's basically what this Lewis overthrust is, is there was enough pressure to buckle all of the rock layers underneath us. It pushed it up and then it forced it 50 miles east. And then it filled in its own gap, basically. And so we've got this big chunk of geological crust just sitting on top of the other piece of crust. Okay. Now, why is that cool, Ash? Who knows, Who
1: knows? (laughs) (laughs) Tell me.
0: Okay. So now this is why scientists like to study this.
1: For glaciers specifically. For
0: glaciers specifically, yes. Okay.
1: Not just the Rocky Mountains in general. Right, not just the the Rocky Mountains in general. So,
0: so especially when we were talking about like the Grand Canyon fun facts, right? We talked a lot about layers and stuff like that. So, when you're looking at the Earth's layers.
1: The top layers are newer uh and the bottom layers are older.
0: Exactly. And so, think about it. I was trying to think of like a fun analogy. And obviously, I thought of food. And so, let's imagine that there's all the layers underneath glacier or in that area it's a giant big mac okay Okay. the best of the best big mac it's massive big mac and so you've got these bottom parts of the big mac are the oldest but it's not just like a little bit older the size of this chunk of geology that got shoved up on top of the other the difference in age isn't millions of years it's not hundreds of millions of years. We're talking about the age difference between the top layer and the bottom layer is like 1.6 billion years.
1: Wait, so are you saying the Big Mac threw me? I'm not going (laughs) to lie. (laughs) Okay. Um, Are you saying that so this thrust that happened and the crust that came on top of the other crust, the one on top is older? by 1.6. That he said 1.6 billion years. Yeah,
0: exactly. Okay.
1: okay. So the top, which should be the newest mm-hmm. layers of rock, the the youngest layers of rock are the oldest by 1.6 billion years.
0: Yeah, okay. exactly. So it's literally like someone it's took what a, it shouldn't be. It's yeah. The opposite. Yeah. So you have this huge age discrepancy. Okay. Which is super cool. So it's like someone took a giant big mac, sliced it down the middle, lifted out the slice pushed the pieces back together, and then just stacked the Big Mac on top of the other piece. Okay, but why do scientists care? Why do they want to study it?
1: Good question.
0: Okay, so let's think about the Big Mac in a little bit. What makes the Big Mac special, Ash? (laughs) It's the secret sauce, right? (laughs) It's got an extra piece of bread, and it's the secret sauce.
1: I literally can't remember the last time I (laughs) ate a Big Mac. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh, my gosh. I wanted to kind of work in, like, KFC's Double Down. Do you remember that sandwich? No. No. (laughs) If you've ever watched Psych, there's an episode where Sean tells Gus, he's like, Dude, we got to get to KFC. They're just giving away Double Downs. They're just giving them away. (laughs) And so I really wanted to work in that, but it didn't have enough layers. So I had to go with the Big Mac. Ah,
1: you were thinking of a layered sandwich. I was thinking of a
0: layered sandwich. I must have been, you know. You
1: must have been hungry. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Okay, so, all right. Now, the thing is, though, this 1.6 billion-year-old layer of rock, not only is it just older, but it's so old that it teaches us basically about the beginnings of Earth. It's old enough to teach us how life got started on Earth. And so what the scientists are trying to figure out is they're like, what is the secret sauce that allowed life— to develop to where life is today and that layer of rock is what teaches us what happened because if you were to be on earth 1.6 billion years ago or around the time of some of these older layers of rock if you just stepped outside of your time machine out of your spaceship or something like that stepped onto ancient earth it's like that scene of toy story you know when uh Buzz Lightyear is just sitting there trying to fix his ship. Woody comes over and tries to talk to him. And then Woody gets mad and pushes the button and opens up his helmet. Uh-huh. And Buzz is like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you remember yeah, that scene? Yeah, it's hilarious. It's so funny. I love that scene. <laughs> and then Buzz is like, <gasps> How dare you open a spaceman's helmet on an uncharted planet? My eyeballs could have been sucked from my sockets. <laughs> that's, that's, ba- <laughs> that's basically... Yeah. That's basically what Earth would have been like to us because yeah. the reason that we can survive on Earth right now is because it's a very oxygen-rich atmosphere. But if we were to step outside of our time machine, then we wouldn't have made it. You know, we would yeah. have choked. and We would have been, the episode would have been over really fast. And so the whole Earth was completely different at that time. But the clues in that secret sauce of layers tell us how things got the way they are now but it's so hard to get to those layers because they're miles and miles deep in the earth and either scientists have to find places like this where it's somehow exposed or they have to find canyons where it's at the very very bottom the canyons have to be deep enough for the scientists to get there and then there's only a small amount of it available for them to study Mm -hmm. well at glacier This whole giant section of Big Mac is sitting on top of this other section of Big Mac. And the lowest, most important secret sauce sections are easily visible and accessible to us to study.
1: Well, that's pretty cool. Right? Yeah.
0: And so you can still see tons of different layers. You can still see a lot of the Big Mac. But what's so cool is you have... And over time, like glaciers, we'll talk about this. The glaciers have eroded tons and tons of the top layer and exposed tons and tons of these bottom layers. But if we really want to learn about ancient Earth and how things got there and what that secret sauce was that made it so that we could be here today, you've got to go back 1.6 billion years. And glacier is where you can do that.
1: Nice. (laughs) Nice. So cool, right? That is really cool, actually. I wonder what they're looking at.
0: Do you want to know what the secret sauce is?
1: <laughs> you know what the secret sauce <laughs> I is? I do. And you're not I have sharing? the
0: recipe <laughs> to the secret sauce.
1: Yeah, heck yes, I do.
0: Okay. The secret sauce is stromalatites or stromotodontites.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, <on>. yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like the weirdest word. Stromotolatite. Stromotolatites. Stromotolatites. Stromolites. They're... <laughs> it's kind of a tricky word to say but what that is is it's basically ancient algae okay okay so i'll give you one guess and i'm only giving you one guess because we talk about this all the time where do you think glacier was 1.6 million years ago bottom of
1: a sea (laughs) probably a shallow sea exactly 1. 6 billion everywhere years ago, everywhere else in the Rocky Mountain region. <laughs>
0: everywhere <laughs> in, the in the world. At yeah. one point was under a shallow sea, <laughs> right? And so 1.6 billion years ago, Glacier Area was the bottom of a shallow sea. OK, and
1: can- I, can't, I can't hear that without laughing anymore. <laughs> I just every it's just funny to me.
0: Oh, my gosh. It's, it's so funny. But what's cool is as you travel and hike around or just drive around and stop at viewpoints, you can actually see evidence of this everywhere. You can see like when we're on the hiking trails, you'll see like different rocks with a rippling to it. Mm-hmm. And we even saw that we stopped at a viewpoint on the bottom part of the going to the sun road. You know, and some of the rocks that the park service had like cut out the stone that they had cut out and used as like a barrier so that people wouldn't go off the road. Like I was walking up next to one of those rocks, and it had the rippling effect.
1: Yeah, I remember that actually.
0: And so there's yeah. evidences all over glacier of algae and stromatolites. You know, and
1: stromatolite. Oh. <laughs> <Stramolotites. laughs>
0: exactly. And there's a bunch of different forms that these ancient algae took. Some of them look like giant toadstools or like little lumps. They just look like rippling water, basically is what they look like. But before like life, anything like us could have evolved or been alive on the planet, you had to change the atmosphere. Just imagine a whole earth of just water and algae. For millions, millions and millions of years, it was just algae slowly, slowly turning the atmosphere from whatever it was, whether it was lots of carbon in the air or sulfur or lots of different things. It would suck out these different things from the air and it would put oxygen back in its place. And it did it for such a long period of time that it completely changed the composition, the, the composition of the composition or the mixture of the air. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. And so without millions and millions of years of this secret sauce of ancient algae changing our air, we wouldn't be here today. Cool. And, and we only know that because of the lo- – well, I'm not sure if they studied it other places. Like this is a, a mecca for studying these ancient layers that tell us about these clues that tell us about ancient earth and how we got here today.
1: Nice. Cool, right? Yeah, it is cool.
0: Okay. Now, these bottom layers that we're talking about, they're also some of the most colorful. And in Glacier, you'll see pictures of it. There's lots of kind of a a reddish, uh, maroonish rock.
1: Is that why all the rocks are such cool colors?
0: A lot of them are, yeah. And so these bottom layers are the most sturdy. They're the most durable layers because... Uh, they're the oldest, I guess, and they were formed under the most pressure. There's kind of a greenish layer, and there's a maroonish layer, uh-huh. and a gray layer. Okay. And those are kind of the ones we're looking for. And so if you see those, you'll and you'll see the red ones everywhere, but if you see those layers, you're like, oh my gosh, those are billions of years old.
1: Okay, side note, if you want to see the rock colors, okay... Probably my favorite place to see the red Mm -hmm. is uh, Red Rock Falls and Many Glacier. Uh That hike, first of all, is just fantastic. (laughs) It's not very long. It's like three miles. Uh, It stays pretty flat. It's good with families and stuff, but Mm -hmm. there's a beautiful waterfall. But it's like cascading down literally red rocks. Right. It's beautiful.
0: So cool. So that's
1: a good place. And then my second thought is, so, you know, whenever you see a picture of Glacier now, like you can't find a picture of Glacier without the colorful rocks in the lake with Uh the mountains behind, you know, which for the record are highly, highly over edited. (laughs) If you're seeing like those really vibrant colors of the rocks on those pictures, there's a really good chance whoever it was. Added a lot of color to make it stand out. Yeah. Because it's very hard to actually find it looking like that. Well, a in lot of the life. rocks have
0: like algae on them. Yeah. And so it's <laughs> like you looked at it, they're covered with some type of greenish gray algae yeah. or moss. And so
1: people are always like, Where do I go to see those rocks? I'm like, They're just a figment of over editing in Photoshop. <laughs> Um, they're there, but they they're, there. they're
0: underwater. They are there. So,
1: But when you go to the lakes, you know, look at the rocks, because you will see those maroon and green and gray rocks. You'll see mm-hmm. them everywhere. Yeah. So that's a really good spot, too. When you're at the lake, look at the rocks. You will notice all the colors. Yeah. So.
0: Ah, so cool. So that's fun fact number one, the Lewis overthrust. Nice. Nice. Okay, so much fun. We're going to leave the metaphor of the Big Mac behind us.
1: Oh, oh, good. Okay, thanks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so fun fact number two. Glaciers are responsible for carving out the dramatic mountains and valleys in Glacier National Park.
1: No matter what you're looking at, basically Mm -hmm. in Glacier, is the effects of glaciers in that area.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. So glaciers... They form totally different shaped valleys than rivers. Yes. And so river valleys, places that are formed by moving water like that, quick moving water, are V-shaped.
1: Because it cuts down. I mean, you have to think about The river is just cutting down basically where it's at. Right. Whereas a glacier literally fills the whole area and then slides and grinds. (laughs) And so you can see, I love, one of my favorite things is going to an area that has had glaciers Mm -hmm. because you can, I mean, I love this. I worked at Glacier Bay National Park, which is often very confused with glacier. They're different. They're two different places. Um, Glacier Bay is up in Alaska, but it's very similar. And there's still a ton of glaciers up there. But one of my favorite things, I just love being in these areas that have been carved by glaciers. Because you can literally see it in front of your eyes, you know, when you're looking at these big mountain valleys and they're just a big giant U shape, you know, you know, a glacier just came through and scraped Uh and, you know, just like it moved slow and just basically decimated everything underneath it. But then you get all that powder that gets into the water, all the glacial silt that turns water, just beautiful colors. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you can see the scraping. If you look carefully at the walls of the canyons and stuff, you can see evidence of where it literally... We talked about this with the Yosemite, Mm -hmm. where it literally scraped everything through and carved it out. So cool.
0: It's like you can almost see the fingernails of these glaciers just dragging across the chalkboard of whatever rock they were on. You know,
1: it's so cool.
0: I love it. And so, yes, here in Glacier, you will see big U-shaped valleys and canyons where once were filled by giant glaciers. In fact, at one point... A giant ice field covered everything at Glacier, except for maybe the highest peaks. And so eventually you would have just seen like little tiny peaks, you know, rock outcrops that these glaciers.
1: Well, think about the many glacier area. If you look at a picture of the many glaciers, so you have, you know, the main peak, I think it's called Swift Current Peak. I don't know what it's Mm -hmm. actually called. But you've got that main peak kind of in the foreground. And then it literally like it goes The shapes of the mountains Uh in some of these areas are so, like, it's perfect if you love glacially carved areas. Because you can see, like, the peak maybe was uncovered, but then it goes down steeply on both sides and almost symmetrically, Mm -hmm. you know, where you can just see it, just like it carved it out. And the mountains look so cool because... The glaciers, like that one particular one in in many glaciers. I wish I knew the name of it. I never remember names. (laughs) It's like you can see both sides of it where there were two different glaciers. Yeah. That would have gone down one on each side Mm -hmm. and just scraped out the valleys. Yeah. The ice field
0: and the glaciers must have been massive.
1: Yeah. In order to do this. And all the lakes that are left behind because Glacier has so many big lakes. Yeah you know tons and, of them and all of those lakes are glacial lakes water that was left behind when the glaciers receded mm-hmm.
0: I wonder if people isn't it a little on the nose why aren't we giving it like a fun in, you know a fun name like I don't know Zion or something like that why are we calling it glacier you know and I thought to myself probably because this is the greatest example of the handiwork of glaciers that you can see anywhere yeah it's kind of like if you think about it in terms of like art, I know one of you and your mom's favorite pieces of art is the water lilies that mm-hmm. you can see in France. Yeah. And you think like, okay, that was Monet. He painted that, and it's like one of the best examples of Impressionist art. Oh
1: right? yeah. Oh yeah. When you talk about Impressionist art, you think of Monet.
0: Exactly. And then
1: you think of water lilies.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We just took it a one step further. Instead of calling it water lilies, they just should have called it Monet. You know, (laughs) instead of calling glacier something, you know, else, we're just calling it by what made it, you know, glacier, right? because it is the greatest example of the handiwork of glaciers. It almost anywhere you can see it in every mountain, you can see it in formations, you can uh, it's just like you talked about the lakes. Everything about this place screams glaciers made this.
1: I love that they called it glacier, actually, because, you know, I think we go to a lot of places that are mountainous like Mm -hmm. this and don't think about that at all. Right. Because as you're talking about that, I'm like, well, I mean, I can think of a lot of places that were affected by glaciers and Mm -hmm. carved by glaciers. But I think just the fact that the name of the park is Glacier puts your brain thinking about glaciers so much that you start to pick up on a lot of stuff that you probably don't pick up on in other national parks or in other areas.
0: Right. Exactly, Because
1: a lot of people, like I mentioned this before, a lot of people will be like, I've got to get to Glacier to see the glaciers, Uh you know, and I'm like, actually, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Glacier doesn't have very many glaciers. You know, if you're wanting to see glaciers, I could give you other places to go to actually see glaciers. Mm -hmm. But I think we just because we're already thinking, well, the name of the park is Glacier. And so I want to see glaciers. Right. And then you think about, you know, how everything was carved and stuff. I think it just naturally leads to being more curious and learning more and appreciating more about what glaciers can do.
0: Yeah, it's so cool. And like you said, you can appreciate the glaciers without them being right in your face. Because, and there's a, When the park was originally created back in 1910, there were 80 different glaciers. Mm -hmm. in Glacier National Park. Mm -hmm. And today, at least as of 2015, when they did like their last major like study, there were about 25, 26, Mm -hmm. 26 glaciers that were considered large enough to still be considered glaciers.
1: Right. Because a lot of them get redesignated to like ice fields or something like that too. Right. Exactly. So,
0: Okay. Now it's at this point of the conversation that a lot of people are always kind of like, Wop, wah, wah, you know, <laughs>
1: climate change
0: <laughs> exactly. If you're a fan of Saturday Night Live, there's a skit that they do, which I think is just so <laughs> funny. It's called Debbie Downer, and so they do this awesome skit where it's, there's these people doing some fun things, and then Debbie, like, there's one at a wedding or they're at Disney World with their family, and then all of a sudden Debbie Downer comes and joins the group, and it's just so <laughs> so funny. The song that goes along with it's so funny. It's like you're enjoying your day, everything's going your way. Then along comes Debbie Downer, and
1: I'm guessing we're in, we're putting Debbie Downer into this conversation. We right are. We're
0: putting Debbie Downer into this conversation because she's always there to tell you about a new disease or car accidents <laughs> or killer bees. You beg her to stop, Debbie, please. You know you can't stop Debbie Downer. You know. So it's at this point in the conversation when people are like. it's so beautiful in Glacier. I love this place. And then Debbie butts into the conversation. She's like, I'm glad we made it here before all the glaciers are gone. Most of the glaciers from when the park was first established have shrunk by 80% and are too small to even be considered glaciers. I guess we should just be glad we're not all underwater. (laughs) (laughs) And did you know that... Thanks to social media and the internet and the rise in popularity of funny pet videos, cats are being diagnosed with anxiety disorders at a higher rate than at any time in history. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now I only say this because I am not just downplaying or disregarding or denying climate change or anything like that. No, I just want to give you some information so that you can talk about glaciers in Glacier in a way apart from Debbie Downer, you know, that they're all going to be gone in six months or something like that. I want to talk about these glaciers and give you some information so that you can discuss glaciers with hopefulness and positivity And just be glad that you're there when you're there, you know, because like we talked about, you can enjoy what the glaciers did, right? You can look at glacier and be like, oh my gosh, look at the way that mountain was carved. You can totally see the presence of glaciers here and their handiwork.
1: And we do wish the glaciers were bigger and that they weren't melting. Right. We do. Yes. A hundred percent. But it shouldn't affect your enjoyment. Of the park.
0: Right, so I think that the main reason it feels weird to talk about the glaciers is because people assume that glaciers have been here forever, and that they have always been here, and that we ruined it. Okay, and so it's better just to not talk about it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I've ha- I've seen that sometimes when I talk about glaciers, like when I went up there with my parents, I remember having a conversation, just like, yeah, it's just too bad the glaciers are, you know, they're going to be gone. When in fact they're were long, long periods of time, well before now, when there were no glaciers here. Okay. Okay? And the idea that glaciers have always been here is actually false, because glacier has actually gone through multiple periods of melting and freezing, multiple periods where the glaciers have expanded and retracted and things like that. In fact, the glaciers that are in the park now were only formed in the last few thousand years, and even still, scientists think that most of the expansion and the growth of the current glaciers that are there only happened within the last few hundred years.
1: Interesting. So
0: they think that it was probably about four to five hundred years ago when the glaciers that are there now actually had their largest growth spurt. And then they've kind of been receding since then. So this has happened lots of times. It's gone through multiple warmings and coolings. And actually, like 12,000 years ago, when like people kind of consider it the Pleistocene or whatever like that, there were no glaciers here at all 12,000 years ago because mm. it was so warm at that time.
1: Interesting.
0: And so this just shows our world goes through natural warming and coolings. And glacier is an example of multiple advancing and recessions. Of these glaciers. Mm -hmm. So, what has happened and what scientists have been able to see is like what happens a lot of times is at one point the whole area was covered by an ice field and those glaciers carved out massive sections and then those glaciers disappeared. And when those glaciers disappear, a lot of times the area will start to be more formed by rivers. And so, then you'll see a lot more inside the canyons and stuff like that. You'll see a lot more examples of rock fall or alluvial fans and things like that. And so You'll see big piles of rocks building up in lots of different sections. And then the glaciers will come back and they'll clean all of that out. And then it's like they start anew. And the reason they can tell that that happened multiple times is because outside of the park, you'll see big sections of glacial moraine fields where the glaciers ended and deposited all the stuff that it cleaned out. And so it's just happened lots of different times. But the process of shaping the landscape's never going to end. But like we talked about in the Exploring Glacier episode, you know, the National Park Service took away the sign that said all the glaciers will be gone by 2022. But I don't know. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that the glaciers will rebound and that they'll be here for a long time. And even if they do disappear for a short period of time, they can totally come back. It's just when you are at Glacier, you're there at that specific time. You can see all the beautiful things the glaciers have done. and you'll be able to see the glaciers that are there then. And it's just so cool. Yeah. And so we don't have to let the wop wop feeling dominate the discussion around glaciers because glaciers are so cool. There may not be tons of them there when you're there, but you can see the evidence of them. You can see the beautiful things that they did. The whole landscape is a giant illustration of glaciers. Nice. Fun fact number three and four both have to do with this statement. Glacier is the crown of the continent. Have you heard that before? I have. Okay. So this is fun fact number three. Precipitation and water from glacier goes to three very far off places. The Pacific, the Atlantic, and the Arctic.
1: Yes, I knew this. (laughs) Because there's actually a spot in Glacier that's a triple divide.
0: Yes. to Explain triple what is a divide. triple divide.
1: It's crazy. So say it rains and the water lands on this triple divide. That water droplet could go one of three places. Uh-huh depending on which direction it goes down. (laughs) Right. And it's crazy because, like you said, those three places are very far apart. It's either the Pacific, the Atlantic, or the Arctic that that one little drop of water could end up in.
0: Yeah, it's so crazy. The glacier, they call it the crown of the continent for a lot of different reasons. But in terms of like watersheds, I think it's just incredible. Okay, quiz. Where do you think water from Lake McDonald goes?
1: Okay, Lake McDonald is on the west side of the park, Mm -hmm. on the west side of most of those big mountains, (laughs) Mm because once you get out, you know, towards like Kalispell and stuff, there's really not much. Right. There's not a whole lot. So I would, I feel like this is a trick question, (laughs) (laughs) because I would naturally say it probably goes to the Pacific.
0: Mm -hmm. Final answer?
1: Yeah. It's Correct. The, oh, okay. Okay, Correct. good. You I was giving to you trick- the
0: easy one first. You
1: weren't trying to trick me. Okay.
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, yeah, the water from Lake McDonald goes to the Pacific. And then, where do you think water from St. Mary Lake goes?
1: So, St. Mary Lake is on the east side of the mountains,
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the east side of the park. <sighs> I'm trying to decide which one goes to the Arctic, because <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like you're trying to trick me. Let's say the Atlantic.
0: Oh, wop. Aww, really? Yeah. Saint Mary
1: Lake goes to the Arctic. Saint
0: Mary Lake goes to the Arctic. Ah,
1: uh, how? Okay, where does it go? So,
0: where it goes in the Arctic is important because it goes to Hudson Bay. Okay. Okay, and some people consider that Atlantic the, yeah, and I was stuff like that. Say,
1: is that part of the Arctic?
0: <laughs> According to my research, um, <laughs> certain uh, scientific bodies call the Hudson Bay the Atlantic or the Arctic, but we're going with the Arctic.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs>
0: But you talked about that triple peak. So, those are the two main lakes that people see when yeah. they're in glacier. You've got St. Mary Lake and Lake McDonald. So, those are the biggest bodies of water that you'll see. But yeah, it surprised me that St. Mary Lake goes to Hudson Bay because I, I mean, thought that's,
1: that's it, pretty far.
0: Yeah, for sure. I thought that it would have gone to the Missouri River, which then leads you to the Mississippi, which then takes you to the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic. Because
1: it's not like the St. Mary Lake is that far north. It's kind of close to Canada, mm-hmm. obviously. All of Glacier is close to Canada, right? But it just, yeah, it surprises me that it doesn't go more due east, like into the Dakotas. Uh
0: huh. Yeah, exactly. It,
1: it goes up into Canada instead. Yeah. Interesting.
0: You mentioned that peak. It's co- it's actually called Triple Divide Peak. Okay. Okay. And so it's a little bit south uh, west of Saint Mary Lake, and so kind of in between Oh really
1: yeah. southwest
0: Yep so it's in between the St Mary area and the Two Medicine, Two Medicine area Okay Like you mentioned at the very top of this peak it's so interesting if you look at it from Google Maps it's really interesting because it's kind of got three different you know instead of going I don't know it's not a star shape it's not really even a diamond shape it's like this little triangle shaped little peak and so you can kind of see the directions that each watershed goes. But if it falls on the west side of Triple Divide Peak, then that water will end up in the Flathead River, which then takes you to Lake Pend Oreille in Idaho. And then that will go to the Columbia, which takes you to the Pacific.
1: Those are some massive rivers. Those are huge. Ponderé is massive lake, but the (laughs) rivers that go into Ponderé are huge.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's just so cool. I absolutely love that. Okay, now if it falls on the northwest section of the Triple Divide Peak, then that water will go to the Saskatchewan River Watershed, and that will take you to Lake Winnipeg, which takes you to a river I've never heard of, which apparently is really huge, the Nelson River, which then leads into Hudson Bay. Okay, and then if it falls on the... <laughs> we
1: don't know very much about Canada. I sorry, know. <laughs> we we know our favorite parts, but there's a lot about Canada I know. we don't know. I was
0: like the Saskatchewan.
1: No, we know oh, it's Saskatchewan. Oh, no, I was trying to we follow know what, it. Yeah, we know what Hudson Bay is. Yeah, but I
0: didn't know Lake Winnipeg looks huge.
1: I don't know what Lake Winnipeg is. Yeah,
0: yeah, it looks awesome. It's right by Saskatoon, which if you've ever watched the movie Grown Ups. That's one of my favorite movies. It's so funny. There's a scene at the pool where there's a guy from Saskatoon. It's a pretty funny scene. I really (laughs) like that. Anyways, I think I may have screwed this up a little bit. But if you fall on the southeast side, then it goes to Cut Bank, which is a campground called Cut Bank. But then Cut Bank Creek, Marius Creek, that makes its way to the Missouri River, makes it all the way to the Mississippi River, and that makes it to the Gulf of Mexico. And so I think it's just so cool that you're pretty far inland At this point, you know, in Glacier, you're far away from any oceans and the water here still makes it to all different kinds of places. It's so cool.
1: That is really cool.
0: I love that. Yeah. So that's fun fact number three, that precipitation in Glacier can go to three different oceans.
1: Which it's worth noting. Most places is only two. That's why that's a bigger deal. Because when you get into the Rocky Mountains and when you're in this area, you'll see. I mean, you'll see when you're driving through Yellowstone, there's signs that say Continental Divide. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll see that a lot when you're in these Western parks. But the Continental Divide that you see a lot is it's one of two places, (laughs) right? You know, it takes the water to two different places. So that's why the triple is a big deal because it rarely happens. Mm -hmm. It's, It's not something you see very often.
0: So cool. All right. Now moving on to fun fact number four, still focusing on the fact that Glacier is the crown of the continent. If you've ever driven to Glacier from your perspective, Ash, as you leave Glacier, if you were to drive West and if you were to drive East, what are the main differences in like what you're seeing?
1: Well, uh, the west side of Glacier, it's a lot more heavily forested. Uh There's a lot more water. Right. When you go to the east side, you'll notice it's pretty flat and it's pretty barren. You know, when you start getting into like the east part of Montana, Mm -hmm. the east part of Colorado, (laughs) yep. uh, You know, things really flatten out a lot, Mm -hmm. and you're more into the prairie land type of environment.
0: Okay, so yeah, so basically, it, it's just so interesting because Glacier is kind of like the meeting point of so many different kinds of ecosystems and so many different like it's it's the outer edge of lots of different things. And so if you're coming at Glacier from the west, Glacier is the far reaches of like the Pacific Northwest's ecosystem. Like,
1: yeah, I mean, it is. It's wetter and there's more forests. Mm-hmm. Like I said, a lot more water, big rivers.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And if you're coming at Glacier from the east, you know, you're coming through the plains, you're coming through the grasslands, the bread bowl of America, right? And so the glacier is the far reaches of grasslands.
1: Well, and I think it's interesting because basically, as soon as you leave the mountains and come out to St. Mary uh-huh. on the east side, it's like <laughs> <laughs> flat. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> It's crazy. And a lot of that is part of the reason why like there's no foothills really on the east side of the park is because that Lewis overthrust. Okay. So it shoved that land up and then the glaciers carved out tons and tons and tons of rock. Well, then those glaciers deposited those rocks on those foothills. And so it kind of covered it up and flattened it all out a little bit. And so some of those geologic foothill formations are actually there, but they kind of got covered up and kind of blanketed over. And so that's why they're not really there. And the North Fork area, the reason why you can kind of, it's a little bit kind of dips kind of in the North Fork area a little bit is because that's the depression kind of where Lewis overthrust got pushed out and then kind of it depressed down a little bit. And so that's why you have foothills on the west side and not on the east side really. But yeah, you've got all these. Glacier is the far reaches, the farthest, you know, a lot of these ecosystems go. And so you've got different types, so many different types of plant communities and animal life in Glacier that really shouldn't be living together. And so it's a meeting ground of like four major different categories of flora. And so Glacier's ecosystem supports a diverse array of plant species and plant communities. And there's actually... Because the glaciers have come and gone so many times, there's a community of plants that only live in glacier because the glaciers receded from here. Mm -hmm. And so they depend on like glacial silt soil or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so they only grow in like glacial recession areas. And there's 30 different species that are endemic to this area and exclusive to this kind of northern Rocky Mountain area. I just think it's so cool. So you've got to go. It's really, really apparent going west, going west and east horizontally that way. But there is even a little bit of north to south, too. And so there's tons of plant life. And because there's all different kinds of plant life, there's tons of different animal life. But, you know, I love reading National Park publications because sometimes they're a little bit too serious about their job. Right.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. We've had a few good laughs. laughs. Okay,
0: So. I don't know if they were taking their job too seriously, but I just really loved the language around ferns. Okay, so there if you click on the National Park website and go to learn about plants, you know, you'll see like trees and shrubs and you'll see lichen and mosses and fungi and stuff like that. Well, I love what they say about ferns because in Glacier there are 62 species of ferns and their allies. <laughs>
1: yeah that's good
0: and it was like wow i feel like this should be like a civil war documentary (laughs) or something like that
1: the ferns and their allies (laughs) (laughs)
0: exactly the uh fungi have finally taken the side of the ferns in the northeast section they're taking over but they're standing strong you know the cedars are i just thought that was what in the world are fern allies i just don't think i fully understand that i thought that was kind of funny No.
1: I for one am not a member of the allies of ferns <laughs> group. <laughs> I happen to be highly allergic to ferns. Uh-huh. But uh yeah, I don't know what you would consider a fern ally. Yeah. I'm sure there are people and plants and animals out there.
0: Yeah, I think so. Lots of people love them. All right, very cool. And in terms of like animal life because the grasslands, I mean, there used to be tons of buffalo roaming these grasslands. That butts up against, you know, the big forests on the west side. So you've got you've got moose and you've got bears and you've got bats and you've got beavers, bighorn sheep, elk, lynx, mountain goats, mountain lions. One of my favorite creatures is pikas. They're just so cute.
1: They're so cute. <laughs> I love pikas. But
0: so researchers have actually documented more than 50 wolverines inside glacier. And so that's the densest population of wolverines in the lower 48. And so that's a really cool animal that's only here because of its unique kind of place in the far reaches of lots of different ecosystems, living space, you hmm. know. So yeah. glaciers just really cool that way. Yeah, You know, it's the crown of the continent. It's the meeting place in like my fantasy world. It's kind of like a tavern in between, like the land where dwarves and elves and men and hobbits live. It's like the Prancing Pony where everybody can get, you know, a drink together. You know, it's <laughs> that place. It's perfect. <laughs> so.
1: Glacier is equal to the, the Prancing, the Prancing Pony. Pony. I love it. Very nice.
0: So good. Me, no offense, young masters. It's me job to ask questions after dark. Okay. <laughs> if you can catch that line. All right. Fun fact number five. We're going to move on from the crown of the continent.
1: Ooh, now, people. Yes. You yes. know, I
0: always love for the last one to kind of talk about the human history of Glacier. So, fun fact number five Glacier has an awesome human history. But, kind of what's interesting is as you travel and hike and like stop off and enjoy the views of Glacier, you see it without people basically in your mind. You're kind of picturing it as like a peopleless wilderness but there never really was a peopleless version of glacier there have been people here forever really yeah and so people have been here for i mean think about it like with in regards to fun fact number 4 right this is the meeting place of a lot of different kinds of ecosystems and so this is the meeting place of a lot of different kinds of people
1: well and that so- makes sense i think you know glacier has even now as we mentioned before there are native american reservations kind of all around Glacier, Uh especially on the east side. But you'll even drive through some as you're making your way up to the west side from Missoula. Mm -hmm. uh, You drive through some areas there too. So, I mean, that makes sense. I think there are quite a few native people that consider Glacier their homeland.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, on the west side, you've got The native people that were kind of living on the west side were more the Pacific Northwest kind of lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And you got the people on the east side, they were a lot more kind of the prairie grassland types of people. If you kind of imagine, I think, Dances with Wolves kind of a lifestyle. Does
1: does anyone know any other... Native American movies, <laughs> besides <laughs> Dances with Wolves. It's like, oh, yeah, that's like Dances with Wolves. Oh, I'm sure it was like Dances with Wolves. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, I've seen Dances with Wolves. <laughs> so good. That
0: movie will kind of illustrate, you know, it's, so that was the Blackfeet Indians that really dominated the area on the east side of the park. Hmm. And they were awesome. They hunted the buffalo and... They were the tribe on the east side of Glacier, and they still are today. Yeah, I
1: was going to say they still are. That's the dominant tribe still. Yeah, on that side.
0: So on the west side of the park, you've got the Salish and the Ponderay and the Kootenai Native American tribes. It's really interesting. So this place was always peopled. You know, mm-hmm. people have been here for ten thousand years, and then, like the seventeen hundreds, that's when Europeans started to come. But now, as you're traveling through the park, you know, and you're doing some of these vistas on the St. Mary side or something like that, and you're looking at a beautiful meadow, it's peopleless right now. But it wasn't always peopleless. Hmm. You know, people have been hunting and gathering and and living in these places, and a lot of people called it home for a long time, and a lot of people still do. But it's an amazingly rugged and plentiful place in terms of like animal life, and so if I was to live 10,000 years ago and choose a place, I would totally choose the east side of Glacier, you know, because Mm -hmm. there's so much wildlife there. Plus, if you add in the buffalo, two thumbs up, man. I think that would be the place to be. But then in the 1700s, that's when European trappers started to show up in the area, like, you know, beavers, buffalo hides and things like that. That's what they were trading in. But the Blackfeet Native Americans were so powerful that they really stopped any settlement in the area until a lot later in the 1800s. Mm. And so they kept that area settlement free for a long time. But what really changed and where a lot of the settlers gained kind of a foothold in the area was when the railroad finally came through.
1: Right, Glacier has a very heavy railroad history.
0: Yes, absolutely. And so the railroad was actually completed going from east to west in 1891 at Marius Pass. So as you travel along the bottom of Glacier, so like if you're pulling a trailer or something like that and can't go over the going to the sun road and you have to drive along the bottom of Glacier, you'll pass Marius Pass. There's kind of like a little monument there for that. But that's where the railroad was finally completed in 1891. And that finally gave a lot of settlers the confidence to come and settle and gave them, you know, miners, loggers, homesteaders, gave a lot of people like the ability to come in and move in a lot faster. And plus hunting out the buffalo. And that's really when the Blackfeet Indians kind of started to lose a lot of their, their hold on the area.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, the, did you know you can still ride the train to go see Glacier?
0: That's so cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, they have passengers trains that will take you out there. And there's these old hotels that were all built by the railroad that you can stay in. And mm-hmm. I mean, it is really interesting. And then you do still have a very strong Native American influence throughout Glacier. Like I said, primarily on the east side now, is they do more work with the, the Native Americans in the area. You can go to cultural demonstrations and things like that, the St. Mary Visitor Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever we go to Two Medicine, I think they hire a lot of Native Americans to work that area. We've seen a lot going into Two Medicine. Yeah. Uh, so, so it is. It's it's really cool. I mean, obviously, when things are made a national park, a lot of times, the, you know, the people who have used the land for a long time and have claim to that land for a long time kind of suffer. But, you know, there is an effort being made to at least try to, to bring <laughs> things back together a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, there's just there is a really interesting divergent of <laughs> The railroad, plus the Native Americans, plus I would imagine a lot of these trappers came down from Canada.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So there's such a wealth of wildlife in this area for sure that, that this would have been a great place for trappers and things like that, and homesteaders. Once the railroad came through, it was like, yeah, man. Now, in terms of like the preservation of the area, because once that railroad was completed, then the whole area kind of opened up to. how can we take advantage of these resources, right? Mm -hmm. So you had miners, they were really looking for like copper and I think it was gold was the main two that they were looking for. And then the homesteaders and the loggers, because especially on the West side, holy smokes, there's such a wealth of logging trees, you know, that are available to them. And so I think the next chapter kind of in Glacier's history really is like, oh man, we got to preserve this place before it gets totally exploited. And there were two people in terms of the preservation of the area that I think were more important than almost anybody else. And those people were George Bird Grinnell. Nice. We've said his name a few times. Yep. And Luis Hill, or Lewis Hill, however his mom liked to call him.
1: Luis, (laughs) (laughs) the the railroad man.
0: Yes, absolutely. So the Great Northern Railway was building these rail lines all along the Great North. And so they were building lots of ways for people to access this area. But Louis and his dad Luis. or Louise. <laughs> <No>, I'm,
1: <sure. laughs> I'm sure it was probably just Louis. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. They were empire building basically in this railroad way. They really wanted this area to be like the playground of the Northwest. And so if you look at the history of Glacier, the Great Northern Railway, they built eight chalets inside what would now be the boundaries of Glacier National Park.
1: Yeah, you can stay in a few of them.
0: Yeah, and they built the Glacier Park Lodge, which is now in East Glacier, Mm -hmm. and they built the Many Glacier Hotel in Mm -hmm. Many Glacier. And so they were all in, man, in regards to like investment in... Glacier, of course, they wanted to bring tons and tons of tourists to the area to appreciate the area, but they were really all invested in Glacier National Park.
1: Well, they were trying to make money from tourism instead of from the exploitation of the resources. Exactly. So, I mean, you can say <laughs> maybe it wasn't good either way, but you know, there definitely is the tourism, at least, you know, they're trying to keep the trees standing. Yes. And <laughs> exactly. Keep the water clean.
0: Yep. Now the other guy that we mentioned a minute ago, George Grinnell, so he's an interesting character because the first time that he ever came to Glacier or the Glacier area was in 1885. And then he came back like two years later really enjoyed his time. And then he came back almost every year for the rest of his life. And why he's important is because he was the editor of the magazine Forest and Stream. He used his influence as the editor of this magazine to kind of really push for the preservation and the protection of this area. So his influence plus the railroad really pushing for this area to be made some type of a park. I mean, you're coming off the heels of like, you know, Yellowstone and Yosemite. These early national parks where people really wanted to see them, you mm-hmm. know, this is and the the Great Northern Railway had a slogan. They like they, they would market it to a lot of these wealthy tourists. See America first, hmm. you know, is really what they were pushing. And so you've got the influence of people like Grinnell plus the hills from the Great Northern Railway. Congress eventually in 1910, before the Park Service was even created. They made Glacier a National Park in 1910, six years before the National Park Service was a thing.
1: Booyah. Nice work. Yeah. And Glacier National Park, I think I could be wrong, but it's somewhere around like National Park number 10. Uh-huh. There was definitely a push after after Yellowstone and some of those earlier ones to get more areas protected.
0: Yeah. And it's so cool. But the what is so fun to me is like imagining being an early visitor to this park So you had the railroad that would bring you here, but that was most of the infrastructure. And so after that, you know, you had to take like a, a wagon or something like that or horses or boats to different places to get you wherever you want. And if you wanted to get somewhere, it took quite a bit of effort. And so one of my favorite things about like in terms of like how people got to different places, the Lake McDonald Lodge for the longest time, what is now the Lake McDonald Lodge, the only way to get there was by steamboat. And so you would have people, they'd take the train and then they'd take like a wagon and then maybe they'd take horses or something, but then they'd get to Lake McDonald. They'd be like, your hotel's several miles up there and then we're going to load you on a steamboat. And I just picture like a Mississippi River steamboat, Uh you know, I'm sure it wasn't anything like that, but then they load them on a steamboat and take them over to Lake McDonald Lodge. Nice. And so, you know, it'd be way more of a challenge to explore Glacier in the early days than it is now. You know, where we have the going to the sun road that traverses east to west and takes you up into the heart of the mountains and all these, you know, manicured trails for us to use thanks to the efforts of two men for sure, but a host of other people trying to make sure that people have access to this area for a long time, you know getting people here, helping them appreciate it. And, you know, nowadays it's so much easier to do than it ever was before.
1: Very cool. So, I learned a lot. There yeah. I, there were some things in there that I did not know. Uh, <laughs> I'm excited to go back to Glacier now. I don't think that I realized how cool. I'm not generally a geology person, uh-huh. but that, that one, uh, yeah.
0: It's pretty sweet. Let's the secret sauce. Yeah,
1: let's go to Glacier.
0: Let's do it. Okay. Thank you for being here for this and quick review. Fun fact number one, Glacier was built by the Lewis Overthrust with the secret sauce and the (laughs) not sponsored by McDonald's.
1: Colored rocks. Yes, exactly.
0: (laughs) Number two, Glacier is like the best example of the artistry and handiwork of glaciers. Number three and four, Glacier is the crown of the continent and water from Glacier it can go to three different oceans. Glacier is the far reaches of so many different kinds of ecosystems, and it has a wealth of wildlife and plant life. And number five, Glacier has an amazing human history, and there never really was a peopleless glacier. So, thanks for being here. We love Glacier. Hope to see you on the trail. Happy trails. Thanks for exploring the national parks with us
1: please share, like, and subscribe. And if you need any help planning your own trip, click on over to dirtinmyshoes.com.
0: See you next week, same time, same place.
1: And don't forget to get some dirt in your shoes.